In recent years, New York has struggled to recruit and retain the volunteer firefighters needed around the state, despite forming a task force to address the issue and proposals advanced in the recent years by the governor. To consider what else can be done to ensure adequate staffing at volunteer departments around the state, we're joined in the Capitol Press Room studio by John D. Alessandro, Secretary for the Firefighters Association of the State of New York and a past commissioner with his volunteer department in Saratoga County. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to come in and chat. It's our pleasure to have you. So generally speaking, what are the staffing challenges facing volunteer fire departments today in New York? Unfortunately, for the last several decades, we've seen a significant decline in the number of people uh, wanting to become volunteer firefighters. Back in the early 2000s, we estimated there were about 120,000 volunteers across the state of New York. Today, we're somewhere in the 75,000 to 80,000 range. So you can see that's a significant decline. In many departments, they have trouble getting an adequate number of people on the trucks. So it, it is a public safety issue. It is a safety issue for the fire service. Uh, and it's something that we, as the Firefighters Association, in conjunction with the state and the other fire service organizations, need to seriously address and what is the practical ramification of having fewer volunteers? Does it just mean that there are fewer people to actually respond to fires and you need to get assistance from other departments or are there other ramifications? Yeah, it's it's a particularly um, insidious problem because there's so many elements to it. For instance, if your local department doesn't have enough people to volunteer and somebody dials 911, not showing up is not an option. So if the call can't be answered by your local department, it's going to roll over to the neighboring departments. So that puts increased stress on those departments to not only cover their calls, but additional calls from other areas. No matter how much great technology we have, firefighting is a hands-on, blue-collar sport, so to speak. You've got to have enough trained men and women who are dedicated to the mission to protect the citizenry in a, in a proper fashion. So, you know, technology helps, but in unfortunately in many departments, they're, they're, they have such a serious lack of manpower that it is stressing that department and the neighboring departments. The state budget adopted in 2023 included $10 million to offset the cost of training courses that volunteer firefighters are required to complete. What sort of impact do you think that might have once it's fully implemented? Well, we were very happy and thankful that the legislature and the governor uh, came together and established that $10 million fund. We hope that it is yet one more incentive that we have to offer to someone who is interested in becoming a volunteer firefighter. It's not the be-all, end-all. It's a very complex problem. Um, there are a number of different reasons uh, in today's society why people are not volunteering. But we hope with that bit of financial incentive, at least for those initial classes, that it will sort of put somebody across the line and take them from curiosity to actually becoming a volunteer. And does that need to be recurring funding, that $10 million? Or do we just see how far we can go with that $10 million before we ask for uh, an additional investment? 
Well, the uh, the regs are being promulgated right now, so the program hasn't started. But mm-hmm. we hope that we spend that $10 million very quickly because then that's the data that we can go and, and say, look, we need to not only replenish the fund, but we need to increase it because we have X amount of people across the state who are waiting to go to those initial training classes. The governor's budget also included language last year allowing municipalities and fire companies to actually pay volunteer firefighters based on call response. That didn't end up in the final budget adopted last year. So would you like to see that conversation revisited in 2024, or do you think there are other incentives and perks that the state should be focusing on? Well, there are other states that do pay volunteers to either respond to each individual call or to work what they call duty nights, where you have a set day and set hours that you're in the station. The Firefighters Association of the state of New York is not in favor of paying people to respond to emergency calls. We truly believe that it is a calling, that being a a volunteer firefighter is not just something you do, it's something you are. And to inherently try to get the best committed, dedicated individuals we think paying people to respond to calls, it kind of works at uh, counter purposes to that. So we still have a lot of faith in the uh, altruistic volunteer system that, frankly, provides more than 80% of the fire and emergency response in the state of New York right now. Is it possible, though, that there are people who just financially can't make it work and this is what prevents them from being a volunteer firefighter as opposed to not wanting to help people? There is. Um, A number of years ago, uh, the Firefighters Association uh, conducted a a bunch of focus groups because we thought we understood why people weren't volunteering, but we wanted some empirical data to back up uh, the assertions that we we thought we knew. Um, And one of them is time constraints, which relates directly to money in the sense that in today's economy, oftentimes, you know, both mom and dad in the household have to work one, two, you know, jobs which puts a significant strain on the amount of time that they have to donate, not only to become a volunteer firefighter, but to any community service type organizations. So yeah, it it does play into, but uh, when you look at the bigger picture, we still think that there are a number of uh, people out there who, if they knew the need, that they would volunteer. In fact, uh, we just conducted a survey of several thousand New Yorkers less than a month ago, and 49% of them came back, of the respondents came back and said, A, we didn't know that there was a need for volunteer firefighters, and B, that they would be interested in, in examining what it took to become a volunteer firefighter and possibly volunteer. So it's, it's a really complex problem. It's, it's everything from communication to providing incentives to providing protections once you become a volunteer firefighter. I want to talk more about incentives, but first, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining the Capitol Press Room. We're speaking with John D'Alessandro, Secretary for the Firefighters Association of the State of New York. So we were talking uh, before we went on the air about the uh, out-of-pocket costs that can be incurred by firefighters. Uh, So what are some of those, and what could the state do to address those costs that might make the job more attractive? Well, you know, in place of paying individuals to respond to uh, emergency calls, what we support is providing uh, reimbursement for reasonable expenses incurred as a result of you being a volunteer firefighter. And some of those things are, uh, you know, gas 
if if you're in a particularly active department that runs, you know, a thousand, two thousand calls a year, you're constantly driving back and forth from the station. And on top of that, going to training classes. So to reimburse a volunteer firefighter for a gas expenditure, something we fully support. Um, unfortunately, in many departments, the volunteers have to pay for their, some of their own equipment. Uh, they have to pay for some of their own training to take a class that they're interested in to further their ability to serve the community. So those are the type of things that we consider reasonable expenses that we would fully support a fund be established to reimburse those individuals for. And just to hammer home the cost of driving, volunteer fire departments often proliferate upstate New York where you do have to travel a little bit far further to either reach the, the firehouse or the site of a fire itself. Uh, but turning to your other priorities for 2024, you're also looking at an income tax credit increase uh, for volunteer firefighters. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, again, uh, a few years back, the Firefighters Association conducted an economic study to try to determine the value that the volunteer fire service brings to New York State. We save $3.8 billion a year to the taxpayers uh, in place of uh, salaries and benefits that if you had an all-career firefighting force. So you, you can see that we're an integral part of not only the, the public safety health of the state, but also the, the economic health. Back in 2006, the state passed an income tax credit for volunteer firefighters. In 2006, it was established at $200. We're in 2024 right now, and it's still at $200. So again, in trying to attract young men and women to become volunteer firefighters, we are pursuing an increase in that income tax credit from $200 to $800 a year. And even at $800, it is a welcome but small thank you to the men and women who dedicate you know, hours and hours and days of their time to respond and to train to make sure that their communities are safe. One other priority you have that I assume deals with the issue of retention is this idea of a peer support program. Can you talk a little bit about what you're hoping for and the issues that that could address? Yeah, well, when we talk about the declining manpower um, in the volunteer fire service, it's kind of a two-edged sword. One is we need to recruit new volunteer firefighters, men and women. But the other part of it is we need to keep the firefighters that we have now. Just like other first responders, law enforcement officers, EMS responders, it is a particularly taxing pursuit. We all see things that the average citizen uh, hopes never to see in, the, in their lives, and we see it sometimes on a recurring basis. Um, and it starts to take its toll after a while. You know, for, for many years, you, you know, we, uh, we had this sort of image of the big, tough first responder that no matter how much that call, last bad call affected you, you didn't talk about it. You know, you just kind of went home and sat in the dark room and, and got over it. And just like cancer in the fire service, mental health issues in, in the last number of years are, are really coming to light now of how going to emergency call after emergency call uh, starts to take its toll on people. So we're, we're very supportive of peer-to-peer uh, -peer network or funding to support peer-to-peer -peer counseling. And we say peer-to-peer -peer because um, we tend to be type A personalities uh, as first responders, and it's often difficult for us to talk to somebody about a thing that's bothering us if, if you don't feel that they've gone through the same type of situation. 
So, you know, a good uh, a good start, the bedrock of addressing mental health issues in, in the uh, first responder community is, is peer-to-peer. Yeah, and we've seen that same sort of emphasis in the veterans community as well when it comes to peer-to-peer support. And some of the other priorities involve ensuring uh, parity for workers' comp benefits for volunteer firefighters compared to what the traditional workers' comp system offers, as well as uh, a volunteer firefighter cancer detection uh, act. But before I let you go, I want to ask you about a sales tax exemption for home life safety products that you're pushing. I imagine this doesn't actually impact recruitment and retention, but probably impacts the experience of firefighters. What's the issue there? This is something that the Firefighters Association has been pursuing for a number of years. And essentially what we'd like to see the legislature do is uh, have a one-month sales tax exemption on life safety products. And that month would be in October because that's Fire Safety Month. I mean, it would be for things like smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, in-home fire extinguishers. There's a lot of sayings in the fire service, but one that we're particularly uh, proud of is that the best fire is the one that never starts. So we hope in some small way that if the state could do a moratorium for that one month in October, it would encourage people to purchase smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, uh, fire escape ladders, you know, all those things that you can go to your local uh, home store uh, and and, and purchase. Um, People don't realize that something as simple as a working smoke detector gives you the few extra seconds that could take a truly terrible, devastating event um, and make it into something where the family can be safe and move on. So hopefully that's something that uh, the legislature will consider and get across the finish line this year. So is your go-to housewarming gift a fire extinguisher? (laughs) We, a lot of departments, uh, you know, depending on their budgets, but a lot of departments, when they have their open houses, they do give Mm -hmm. smoke detectors away. Um, Equally important is carbon monoxide detectors. Um, in some senses, carbon monoxide is even more of a devilish thing to have to deal with because it's it's colorless, odorless, so you don't even know it's happening to you. But, yeah, um, you know, it, it, it sounds a, a, a bit humorous. But, you know, uh, as a housewarming gift, when somebody buys a new house or, or rents a new apartment, it makes all the sense in the world, if they don't have them, to provide those things to them. Um, again, you know... For a, f- a few dollars, it could essentially mean the difference between getting out safely or having a truly devastating thing happen to your family. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with John D'Alessandro, Secretary for the Firefighters Association of the State of New York and a past commissioner with his volunteer department in Saratoga County. John, thanks for visiting us. My pleasure. We'll have to come back at some time. Support for the Capitol Press Room is provided by New York State United Teachers, a statewide union of nearly 700,000 professionals in education and health care.